Welcome to this podcast from Central, Jesus at the Heart. More information is available from www.jesusattheheart.org. Okay, John's Gospel, Chapter 8. Um, you'll find John in the New Testament, um, which is, if you cut your Bible in half, turn right. And, uh, and then you'll find the Gospels, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And John is the kind of more scholarly, poetic uh, description of the life of Jesus. Um, and we've been in this, these passages of scriptures for a while. And we've really, really just been asking one question. The question we've been asking is, which Jesus? Which Jesus have you got on your mind and in your heart? When, when someone says Jesus, whether they say it um, positively or negatively, whether they've been cut up in traffic or, or however they say Jesus, what do you have in your mind and in your heart? And I, I'm, our guess is that's about the most important thing that you ever think about, what you think about when you think about Jesus. See, the reason for that is that, is that some of us can spend the whole of our lives trying to follow the Jesus that doesn't actually exist trying to follow rules and regulations and expectations of this non-historical person called Jesus who looks a certain way and acts a certain way. And even worse than that, there are others of us who can spend the whole of our life running away from the Jesus that isn't. Running away from an image or an idea or a concept that we have of this Jesus that isn't actually true to the biblical record of Jesus. What you think about when you think about Jesus is the most important thing you ever think if he really is who he says he is. And tonight I want to talk about Jesus being the light of the world, as Thomas said. See, Jesus shows up, and as he shows up demonstrating who God is and demonstrating what the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God looks like, there is this haunting echo of light in the darkness. Again and again, even pre-Jesus, there is this haunting echo of light in the darkness. The prophet says in Isaiah chapter nine, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned, for unto us a child is born. People are gonna see light because a child is gonna come. And then the child comes and John, the poet, starts to write about the child. He says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. In him was life and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness but the darkness has not understood it. Jesus, just a few days old, gets taken into the temple by Joseph and Mary and he meets one of the, what is known as the quiet of Israel, one of the elder statesmen of Israel, a guy called Simeon. And Simeon prophesies over the baby Jesus and he says this, he will be a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of the people of Israel. Many, 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 many references. Jesus speaking to Nicodemus says this, the verdict is this, light has come into the world, but men love darkness because their deeds are evil. Jesus says this, John's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 12, if you want to know who I am and you want to think correctly about me, and you want to allow the possibility that thinking correctly about me will change everything for you, here it is. I am the light of the world. 
whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If, if there was ever a statement for our day that should rock our world, it's that statement. Because Jesus is saying, I am the answer and the solution and the hope to all the darkness that is around everywhere. And he's not just talking about the fact that for like four and a half months of every year, if you live in Edinburgh, you just have dark. He's talking about depression and despair. He's talking about terrorism on a scale that we've never seen terrorism. He's talking about debt on a scale that we've never seen debt. He's talking about inequality in our world in a way that we have never seen equality. He's talking about refugee crisis. He's talking about climate problems. He's talking about the whole thing and he says, I am light for all that stuff. And that light extinguishes darkness. Now, if, we're gonna, if we're gonna understand this, we need to understand the context. Jesus is speaking and standing and speaking at something known as the Feast of the Tabernacles. Now, the, the Jewish people had seven feasts in any given year and, and three of them were really, really important in, and, and the three that were important, everyone had to come to and the Feast of the Tabernacles was one of the ones that everyone had to come to and they had to get to Jerusalem. When they got to Jerusalem, they did a pretty cool thing. They did a camp out and a sleepover. That's what they did, everyone did. The whole of Israel came to Jerusalem and they made these kind of bivouac camp things and they camped out outside people's houses and they did it for seven days so they could remember that the people of Israel spent 40 years in the wilderness camping out. And they did it every year, and they remembered. And the whole of this section of John's gospel is taught against the backdrop of the Feast of the Tabernacles. So when Jesus says in John chapter five, I am the bread of life, he's saying it in the Feast of the Tabernacles when people are remembering the manna bread in the wilderness. Saying, I'm that bread, I'm the, I'm the sustenance of God, and I'm the provision of God, I'm that kind of God. When Jesus stands up and says, I am the living water, the water of life, if you have me, you don't have thirst anymore, he's saying it against the context of the water from the rock in the wilderness. And everyone's remembering and everyone understands. And then he comes to this incredible statement, now you need to understand the Feast of the Tabernacles, the whole of the temple courts were lit with two huge candelabras which sat in, in the court of the women. They were 75 feet tall and, and, and the, the oil that surrounded those candelabras was like 10 gallons in each candelabra. And, and the commentators say that when they were lit, the whole of Jerusalem blazed with fire. There was light everywhere and at the end of the feast the high priest would extinguish the flames symbolic of the fact that light was promised but the Messiah who brings light to the world had not yet come and in that moment when light becomes darkness Jesus stands up and says I am the light of the world anyone who follows me doesn't walk in darkness, but they have the light of life. And it's incredibly dramatic, and it's incredibly provocative, and it's incredibly prophetic. See, Jesus is not saying I'm a light, or I'm another light, or I'm a light like that light, or I'm just pretty bright. He's saying I'm the light. I am the only light in the 
world. And he's saying something more than that. He's saying, I'm this light. I'm the light that you're thinking about. I'm the light that you're dreaming about because you will come for the Feast of the Tabernacles so you're thinking about light. You're thinking about the pillar of fire by night. You're thinking about the pillar of cloud by day and I'm the same light. I was there then, I'm here now and I'm providing light. And these guys, they're thinking, well, the pillar of fire, it provided the presence of God and the guidance of God and the protection of God. Is that what you're saying? That you're God in, in, in these ways? Jesus, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, see, if you read Exodus chapter 13 and 14, you haven't got any time right now, but, but when you get home and you check it out and check out the story and understand what these people are hearing, they knew that the fire in the cloud provided the presence of God. So wherever the people went in the wilderness, they knew they had the presence of God. That he was always with them wherever they turned. He was, he was with them. He was there and however difficult it got and however they didn't understand where they were going and however many times they wandered around and around, they knew the presence of God was there. And Jesus is saying, same, same. However lonely you are, However life has, has chewed you up and spat you out, however you don't understand which way to go, however many times you think this is, there's no possibility, I am there. I totally get it's hard to understand. I totally get it's hard to understand. Where were you when this? Where were you when that? Why did you not show up and make this thing happen? Guys, I'm not there like some kind of Marvel comic superhero who's gonna catch cars or stop speeding bullets. I'm not there to treat you like some kind of, uh, kind of computer game figure to get you to the next level. I'm there to love you. I'm there to presence myself with you. I'm there to be your God in the midst of the difficulty. I'm that kind of light. And the people got that. And the people, they, they, they thought, well, what, is, he, is he the guidance God? Is he the one who's gonna guide us? You know, there was, there was a certain relationship that the people of Israel had with the pillar of fire. Basically, it went like this. It moves, we move. It stays, we stay. If, if, the, if the fire moves, we go. If the fire stops, we stop. That's the kind of God I am. I wanna guide you through life. And I don't just mean the kind of the big decisions of life, you know, what kind of career am I gonna have? What kind of life partner am I, am I gonna get? Shall I buy a big house, a small house? You know, I mean every single decision of life because I'm interested in the details and I, I know you intimately and I love you passionately and I'm deeply concerned for all your ways. I'm that kind of God. I'm that kind of interested. I'm that kind of concern. Do, do you pray? Do you pray? Because he's the light of the world. Do, do you ask him about the decisions of your day, your financial decisions, your relational decisions? Because he's the light of the world and he's concerned and he's interested and he's passionate about you and he has a plan for your life that's better than the plan that you got for your life. He just wants you to get on the plan. Do you ask him? Do you share your stuff with him? Jesus, I'm this kind of God, this kind of God. Don't miss it. 
And then he says, I'm also the protection kind of God. See, the big story, when, when, when the kids of Israel got and sat outside in their bivouacs and barbecued marshmallows or whatever they did, they, they told a story, the story they told was the story of the Red Sea because it's the story that you would tell if we started talking about wilderness, you know, because they'd seen the movies. They hadn't seen the movies, but, you know, they'd imagined there would be a movie one day. You know, for those of you who are older, it's Charlton Heston and Yul Brynner. And some of you don't even know what I just said. Today, it's Christian Bale and the, the hunky guy with the bald head. Whatever it is, you know, it's the kind of, you know, let my people go. No. You know, <laughs> That was, that's a synopsis of the whole of the Exodus story right there. <laughs> and you'll know the really? You'll know, you'll know the story. The story is that the people of Israel, God does this incredible stuff, and the people of Israel escape the land of bondage in Egypt. And then the Egyptians wake up to what's going on, and they chase the people of Israel, and God provides protection. How? Pillar of cloud, pillar of fire. I am the light of the world. I'm big enough to protect you and look after you and look out for you and have your back. I'm deeply concerned for you. Remember, the benefits that the people of Israel experienced are still your benefits. Listen, listen, as a believer in Jesus, there is nothing that can touch you in this life that doesn't first pass through the hands of Jesus. Which is a big statement, and it takes a lot of thinking about. But basically, God says, I'm the light of the world. Do you know, and that doesn't mean everything's gonna go great. It doesn't mean that everything's gonna be perfect. It doesn't mean your financial world is all gonna work out. It doesn't mean everyone's gonna love you when you love them. It doesn't mean that all love is gonna be reciprocated, and it doesn't mean everything that you think is gonna happen, but it does mean this. The one who says he is the light of the world is the king of kings and the lord of lords and he sits on a throne and he still governs this world. And in this world you will have trouble and hardship and difficulty and turmoil because there is one in this world who would oppose the king of kings and the lord of lords. But you can be confident when you're fearful of your boss at work who makes your life difficult or you're concerned about global terrorism or you're, you're, or you're apprehensive about the results of a medical test you've had done recently or you, or you have an enemy that is bigger than you can ever imagine because he is the light of the world. And he's not gone and changed. And he's here tonight. And that's an incredible perspective, isn't it? I mean, that'll preach. If, if we had to stop there, amazing, you know? Wow. Jesus, I mean, that works with a postmodern, post-Christendom congregation. Jesus is protection. He's full protection. He's full presence. He's full guidance. You get all that stuff. There's nothing coming at you that he can't handle. You just have at it, and it's brilliant. And if Jesus stopped there, it would be a wonderful message. But he doesn't goes and ruins it. If only I'd been there to advise him at this moment, he'd have done much better. But he stops and he changes tack and he starts having a go at the religious guys. And if you've hung around church for a little while, you think, well, yeah, of course he does because you know, the religious guys are the bad guys. No, 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 no. The religious guys are the good guys. 
The Pharisees get a bad press. They're the good guys. They're the ones that are trying to walk with God. They're the ones that are trying to obey the law. They're the ones that sort out all the festival stuff. But it's Jesus who always goes after these guys. And he says, you know, no, 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 you just don't get this stuff. What I'm saying is absolutely huge. I am the light. Look at verse 21 to the end of John chapter 8. Listen, if you've not got my light, it's, it's not that you don't have a lot of life, it's that you will have death. And suddenly it doesn't become very palatable. It's not, it's not that you, you know, you're going to have less of a life, it's that you have death. It's, it's, it's not that Jesus is a kind of a comfortable option on top of a really comfortable life. It's that if you haven't got him, he says, you haven't got life. You, you don't have it. See, see, darkness is actually not a thing. It's only a term developed by humanity to describe the state where light is absent. That's what Jesus is saying. If you, if you don't have light, all you've got is darkness. If you don't have light, if you, if you have the absence of me, you just have darkness. And you guys may be religious people, he says. You may try and obey the law. You may show up in church and join a missional community. You, you may read the Bible and follow rooted and have all that stuff down. But if you don't get this, if Jesus is not the heart and the core of life, if you're not banking on him for, your, for the presence of God, for the protection of God, and for the guidance of God, look, you will die in your sin. That's what it says. If you've not got my light, it's not that you will be a little bit bound. It's that you will be totally imprisoned, says Jesus. This doesn't sound like palatable teaching. But verse 34, that darkness is sin and that sin binds you. It binds you. If you don't experience the light of the world, you will be bound, and how well they knew that, although they couldn't admit it. They knew they were bound to patterns of behavior that just kept them, that, that, that tied them down, patterns of unforgiveness, patterns of jealousy, patterns of competition, patterns of bitterness that just kept them imprisoned to a life they didn't even enjoy living. And Jesus goes on and says this, if you, if you haven't got my light, you can't live in truth. And instead of living truth, you will live in lies. You believe lies about who God is. You'll believe lies about who you are. You'll be limited as to who you can ever be if you don't have the light of the world in your life. The source of the problem of your life, verse 39 onwards, and the source of the problem in this world, the source of the dark, is that we have decided as a community, as a, as a culture, not to follow truth, but to be hoodwinked by lies and to be bound by lies about who we are, what we should be for, what's important in this world, what's not important in this world, how God sees us, whether God exists, but you can step into the light. You can step into the light. Here's the thing that I think, just in case you were under any other thought. 
we can find ourselves running from the light even when we're trying to follow God. Because we've worked out that it can be more comfortable and safer to hang in the shadows and have superficial life. It can feel easier to hide in the dark and experience limited freedom, but not really be free. It, it, it can feel better to believe untruth about ourselves because it, it means we don't have to face up to the stuff that's in us, that binds us, that limits us, that keeps us down. We don't want to deal with that gungeon stuff, so we never admit it and we don't talk about it. And we never step into the light. And so we live with opinion and judgment and unforgiveness and fear and things that seem true according to the world but are untrue according to the word of God. And we stay in the shadows and we wonder why we don't live. And this is the story of our generation, our society, and our world. Because we don't want full exposure. Because full exposure shows us who we are. And Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you walk in the light. Darkness is no longer your experience. You follow me. And then, and then right at the end of this passage of Scripture, Jesus just, some, just, some, just says some really weird stuff. When we read it, we think we don't really understand it. But let me just read it very quickly to you, and then we'll move on from me speaking. Verse 48 onwards. Jesus has this discussion with the Pharisees. And this, the Pharisees are basically saying, well, you, you, you're talking such nonsense, you must be of the devil. Which is a pretty direct conversation to have with Jesus. You, you're talking such nonsense, you must be of the devil. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm not of the devil. Actually, I'm God. And he starts talking about Abraham. Are you greater than our father Abraham, they say, verse 53. He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Wow. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You're not yet 50 years of age, the Jews said to him. And you have seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was born, I am. And at that, they picked up stones to stomach. And this is the most outrageous conversation having this kind of, no, you're a devil, you're a devil, you're a devil conversation. Jesus is saying, no, 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 what you don't understand is this. Is that your great figure of the whole of your world, the Jewish world, is this guy called Abraham who was the man of faith. He's the father of everything that you have. And I'm greater than he. In fact, he knows that I'm the light of the world so much that he was looking forward to this day when I would come. And probably right now he's applauding and going, come on. Jesus, that's what Jesus is saying. And then he says, before Abraham was, I am, and that has them spitting fire. Because Jesus has just given himself the mystical ancient title of God. 
He's just said, not only am I the light of the world, but I have the right to call myself the light of the world because I am God. When Moses in the wilderness asked who God was, God says, I am who I am. In other words, nobody created me. I was before all that stuff. I owe my existence to nothing apart from myself. In other words, I never change. My character is immutable. You can't change God. And then what he does throughout the whole of the Exodus, and they remembered this as they were sitting in their bivouacs, is he, he adds to that name, I am, and he gives himself another title every like 10 minutes. And he says, I am Jireh, the God who provides. I am Shalom, the God who is peace. I am Shammah, the God who is there. I am Tzkeni, the God who is righteousness. And Jesus adds to it himself and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. I'm God. And I presence myself with you. And I'm desperate to guide you in this life. And I can protect you from the stuff of this world. And if you don't have me, you don't have life. And if you don't have me, you'll be bound in your stuff. And if you don't have me, you continue to live in lies and not in truth. And how is all that relevant? A hundred mile an hour preaching? Because the I am light of the world is here this evening. Just the same. And he walks around and he touches lives. And he says, hey bound, I can free you. Hey dark, I can illuminate stuff. Hey half life, I can give you full life. Hey broken hearted, I can give you healing. Hey lost, you can be found. Hey struggling for direction, I can show you the way. Because I am the light of the world. Let's pray, shall we? So, Holy Spirit of God. Holy Spirit of God. Lord, the giver of life, we ask you to come. We thank you for your presence and we appropriate your presence. Would you come speak to hearts? And I ask this evening for full exposure of the light of the world to hearts that are lost and empty and broken and half and tired and weary and sick and bought into lies and half-truth. Light of the world come. With every head bowed and every eye closed. God has been speaking to your life and you will know if he's been speaking, you will know.
And you know that at the moment you've been living in darkness. But you want today to experience the light of life. You've been living in half-truth, but today you want to experience full truth, full exposure. Just where you are. No one else is looking. Me and Jesus. Would you stand? And I'm going to pray for you that you would come into light this evening. So why don't you stand? If God's been speaking to your heart, why don't you stand? If you want to come to know the light of the world. I know we usually put music on and do it at the end of the service, but let's just do this right now. Just stand where you are. There's no one else looking. It's just me and Jesus. Thank you so much. Bless you. Thank you so much. Bless you. Stay standing. I'm going to pray for you. I just wanted two more. Just receive from him. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And if, if God's been speaking to you, well, you stay standing, guys. And if God's been speaking to you, about the fact that it's, you know Jesus, but it's been half-hearted. It, it feels like it's been in the shadows. It feels like you've been living a bit of a lie. And he's coming tonight with his searchlight and exposing some stuff, not you know, in a condemnatory way, because that's not him. But you want to live in fullness of life. And why don't you stand as well, and I'd love to pray for you at the same time. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jesus. Just thank you. Yeah, let's do this. one or two more. Yeah. Thank you, God. You can do it in the gallery as well. Thank you, God. So, Father, I thank you for my brothers and my sisters. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you introduce each one afresh to Jesus, the light of the world? And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would expose darkness. You'd expose corners of darkness and bring the light of life flooding in. There might be newness of life, forgiveness of sin, transformation. I pray for a fresh passion for the person of Jesus. And I pray that as you fill and flood these guys with the light of the world, that it would pour out of them so that other people all around them will be flooded with light. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.